Welcome back to Project Freelance. My name is K, just the letter K, and I am your host here on this podcast all about freelancing. We talk about music production, we talk about touring, we talk about all kinds of different stuff on this podcast, photography, videography, uh, we talk about NFTs, we talk about cryptocurrency, we talk about all kinds of things that have to do with freelancing, entrepreneurship, building your own career, setting your own path, and being the pilot of your own life. Wow, that was kind of cheesy, but it's okay. I apologize for missing last week. I was in Mexico on a photography gig, and the week before that, I actually moved down to San Diego, California, so I live down in San Diego now. So if you guys are in San Diego and you need some freelance videography or drone work, please hit me up. I would truly appreciate it. This week on the podcast, I am speaking with Lacha, a tour manager from the Netherlands, Super excited to have her on to talk about being a female entrepreneur, a female freelancer in the music industry. Very excited. This episode's super awesome, and I hope you guys get a lot out of it. I hope that everyone out there that wants to become a tour manager listens to this episode because it's absolutely incredible. Lacha also does a weekly clubhouse meeting. If you guys know what clubhouse is, it's uh, an app for those of you that don't know what it is. It's an audio app. It's kind of like a podcasting app essentially where you can do like live podcasts. Uh, It's super cool. So Lacha does a clubhouse every single week talking about tour managing and growing in that industry. So if you guys are interested, I'll put a link down in the description. You guys are the best. If you like this episode at any point in time, please leave a rating and feedback. And if you're new, please hit that subscribe button. Before we get into this episode, there's a few things I need to let you know about. First of all, I have another show called No Tracers. It's all about urban exploration. If you guys are into exploring abandoned places and you want to hear some crazy stories about other people who have been exploring abandoned places, definitely check out No Tracers on any podcasting app. If you guys want to pick up a copy of my photography book, No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary, you can go to notracers.com slash shop. And last but not least, we have a partner here on the podcast, and that is Liquid Death Water. If you guys are into saving the planet one can of water at a time, definitely check out this ad I made for Liquid Death in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water, a water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid death, murder your thirst. So if you guys want 10% off your order at liquiddeath.com, use code just the letter K and that will automatically apply that code for you. You can order one case, you can order 30 cases of liquid death water, and you will get 10% off your full order. So yeah, use code just the letter K. And without further ado, Lacha, please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience. Hi, my name is Lacha. I live in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and I'm a freelance tour manager in the live music industry. Awesome. So how did you get into live music in the first place? Like what, what was your first concert? What was your first experience with live music? 
Oh, um, I just as a teenager, I was super into music and I loved going to shows. Not that there were that many where I lived. I lived in a really small town in rural the Netherlands. <laughs> so my first few shows were local bands. And, but even that, I just loved it. And then my favorite band at the time was Silver Chair, like a Australian grunge band. <laughs> in So in 1997, I was a huge fan. And they came through Amsterdam, which was two and a half hour drive from where I lived, which in the Netherlands is really far, uh, especially when you're a teenager and uh, you can't drive. So... Yeah, that was I. I count that as my first show, and I bought the tickets at the post office, and my dad drove me to the show two and a half hours and waited outside <laughs> to be over, and it was just the best experience of my wow. life that far. I, you know, I, I just loved everything about it, and it, but it was all so mysterious. The whole backstage seemed super glamorous, and uh, yeah, just being frustrated with there not being any shows where I lived, I started promoting my own shows um, at, a, wow. at a very, very <laughs> uh, grassroots level, you know, just 50 or 100 people type of shows. Just Yeah. So how did, how did you learn how to do that kind of stuff? Like, how did you figure out how to start putting shows together? Actually, before I went to my high school, I knew, I mean, when, once I was in high school, I had heard about this festival that used to happen at my high school that didn't anymore when I was there. And so I asked one of the head teachers, why is that festival not happening anymore? And uh, they just said, well, no one's organizing it. So if you want there to be a festival, you should organize it. And if you want a rock festival to happen, then you will also need to organize parties or events for students who don't like rock music. So then suddenly I was heading up this committee and we organized several events throughout the year, but we started with the rock concert festival. It was, I mean, it was like a five band mini festival in the, in just like the break room. I, I don't know. It's, a, it's called an aula in, uh, in Dutch. It's like a, not really like, like a like cafeteria. It's, it's more like the main hall of the school. Oh, okay. Um, but that's where we had the break. Yeah. We didn't have a cafeteria that everyone wow. just brought their own food for the, for the break. Gotcha. That's so cool that you like started doing that stuff in high school. I remember going, I I'm from Oklahoma uh, in America originally. Right. And, I grew up overseas and I remember the first show I ever played with the, with my own band. I was living in Dubai and we had this show in a warehouse because there was nowhere else that metal bands could play. Whoa. So we got like five bands from around the, the United Arab Emirates to come together and play like a Halloween themed uh, show in, in this guy's car warehouse. And and so I can I can relate to, you know, having having to struggle to put these shows together and and get bands to come out and play. So from, from high school after that, like, where did you, where did you go? When did you figure out that you wanted to kind of pursue music full time? Actually that, that first festival, I, as it was happening, I just felt this overwhelming sense of accomplishment and was really proud of myself for having put that together. And yeah, I just felt like, Oh, this, I want to do this with my life. Like I want to be, this is where I want to go. And after that first concert, not only was I organizing the school events, I also, had, me and a friend were renting in the city nearby. We were renting a space and 
hiring a PA and putting bands up there. And we were printing our own flyers and posters and would go out late at night and just plastering those posters all over town. And mm-hmm. yeah, just having wow. all these uh, punk rock and, and, and metal shows. <laughs> and that. yeah, I mean, I just, you know, we weren't really, we weren't really making money, but we weren't really losing money either. It was just kind of breaking even, mm-hmm. but it was really fun. And as I was approaching graduation, I found this college course for music management and I felt like I really want to learn how to do this professionally. Um, I don't really feel like I learned that in that school, um, but there was a guest speaker who was a tour manager. And from that moment, I was just like, I want to be a tour manager. That sounds even way more fun than being a promoter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of my questions is actually about like your education background and it's interesting that you say like you didn't really learn the things you needed to know in school cuz one of my questions is like do you think people need to go to school to learn uh for example how to be a tour manager or, or do you think you could learn it by getting hands-on and getting that experience? Um 100% you can learn to be a tour manager from hands-on experience. It, yeah. In this last year, during the pandemic, there have arisen a bunch of online courses about tour manager, about tour management, just because all these tour managers are sitting at home and we're all very proactive and we want to do mm-hmm. stuff. So a lot of tour managers have risen to the occasion and uh, created content for people who want to learn how to tour manage. And I know that there are now more courses who offer music management with maybe a tour management subject more so than when I was in school 20 years ago, but you will still need to get that hands-on experience. Like you can't come out of school and go into an arena tour. There's yeah. so many just small things that you have to learn just from experience and you, you know, and you have to grow your network mm. of crew, yeah, of think- vendors, of travel agents, everything. Yeah, I think networking is like the most important thing as a freelancer. Can you talk a little bit more about the importance of doing that and and why we need to do that? It's incredibly important. And if for one, you're not going to find a job without a network because there are no traditional job openings that you can apply for and send your resume and do an interview and get the job. It's all word of mouth. It's all you you have to just be asked or you have to be recommended for for jobs it's really really hard to proactively go out and find a tour manager job definitely especially if you're trying to get on these bigger tours like like you said the arena tours like you can't just be some person from some town and jump on an arena tour it just doesn't work like that you have to kind of work your way up through the ranks most of the time like a lot of tour managers start out as merchandise managers selling merch for bands, you know, and then they go into, you know, maybe live sound and then they go into tour managing. It's kind of like a, a multi-step process to get there for you. Um, did you just go straight into like tour managing? Like, tell me about how you actually got into, into tour managing from, from your, your studies in school and, uh, meeting that, that, uh, like guest speaker that you were talking about. Oh yeah. So from that moment, I was just, I was very focused on becoming tour manager. So I started volunteering at a local venue as a stagehand just to get experience backstage and see how all these shows were running. And later on, I 
grew into stage manager position in that venue. And I also found a couple of local bands that would let me go out to shows with them. They weren't touring internationally. It was just more kind of weekend shows around the Netherlands. So I was just helping them drive and carry gear and sell merch and settle the shows. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really a tour. It was just individual shows. But just to be in that environment and, you know, you learn the language and you learn just the run of the day and um, you build your network and just having done shows, I think is really important. And then out of school, I was, I, we had to do an internship. So I interned at a booking agency as a booker's assistant. So I was advancing tours for, for, for the agent and then giving the, the advance package to other tour managers that would then go on the tour. Mm. And, gotcha. Yeah. So, and that, at the end of the internship, I asked my boss if I could go on one of the tours I had fans, and uh, and I could. So that was that was my first proper international tour. Wow. So tell me about that. Dive into that first international tour. What was that like? What were the challenges you faced? Because people that are listening to this that have never been on tour before, uh, I I personally can tell you that something goes wrong every single day. You know, oh, yeah. there's just yeah. there's never like a, a perfectly smooth day. There's always a hiccup somewhere and we have to always be thinking on our feet and and be ready for those situations to arise. So tell me about that first tour, that first international tour you went on. Who was it with and what were the things that you you kind of had to face? Bring me bring me into that tour. So this was a pretty unconventional tour. It was with a singer songwriter called Keith Caputo and uh, he was a lead singer of a band that I actually really loved called Life of Agony. <laughs> and so I was a bit nervous to meet him the first time. And th- this were, these were not huge shows, but, you know, between like, I want to say between three and 600 people per night. So a lot bigger than what I had been doing with these local bands. And I just was, it, it was kind of a thrown together tour. He didn't have a manager. He just had that agent. He didn't have a label. So it was all pretty DIY on that side. And they, he hadn't toured with his band before. He put it together for that tour. And none of the crew really toured full time either. So it was myself and then two backline techs, but no audio, <laughs> no audio crew, <laughs> no lighting crew. So I've never seen a crew like that before. Usually, Either, it, you know, from that point onwards, it was usually the band and either myself or the band and myself and a front of house engineer. And because usually the first next person that's hired is is the front of house <laughs> engineer mm-hmm. or. But yeah, so the, but this tour was two backline techs, myself and a merch vendor. And those backline techs were pr- pretty. They were they were a lot older than I was and a lot more experienced and they weren't super nice about it <laughs> mm, gotcha so you know and this is also at a time where uh, you know I didn't have a laptop that wasn't really wi-fi <laughs> sometimes mm. you would have to go online every few days and check your email there's no smartphones yet <laughs> um yeah so I but I had advanced the whole tour beforehand and printed out all the directions and you take a box of maps and go drive and as a 20-year-old, that brings its own set of issues because you can't really uh, drive a hired vehicle as a 20-year-old. I don't remember exactly right. how we worked around it, but I, I did do a bunch of the driving. And this is the first time I'm driving a van uh, with a lot of gear in it. And the first show was in Austria, so it was a really long drive. And I, yeah, 
it wasn't ideal, but it, <laughs> but at the same time, I loved it. And I made some mistakes. I had no idea what a day sheet was, for example. Uh, for those who don't know who that is, that's just basically just a, just a, just a sheet of paper with all the call times for that day. Um, and so the backline text explained to me, you should really make a day sheet and put that up in the dressing room so everyone knows what time everything's happening. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Great. So, well, you know, if no one tells you that, you don't know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it's basically it's one of the most basic things that you that I do, uh, you know, in my day. That's the first thing I do when you enter the venue. You just you confirm the day sheet and then make sure that's posted everywhere so everyone's on the same page for the schedule. Yeah, definitely. And for for people listening to this, like the day sheet is basically your bible for the day. You know, it tells you the times where you need to be it tells you the wi-fi password at the venue it gives you all the information that you need for that day and it changes every day it's not like it we're doing the same thing every day sometimes there's press sometimes there's other events going on you have to go to a signing you know there's there's different things going on so take me through uh, a day as a tour manager like what is your typical day look like starting with you know posting up that day sheet where do you go from there Right. So th this tour was a fan tour, but nowadays it's usually on a bus tour. So exactly. So I wake up one of the first people. Um, I'm the first person in the door. So I wake up and um, as I leave the bus, I as, as I step out of the bus, I start taking pictures and until I find my way in so that once I figured out how to what the way from the from the bus to the dressing room is, I'll put that all in a WhatsApp group for all the band and crew so that when they wake up, they don't have to figure out how to enter the venue and I'll put up some <laughs> I'll put up some signs with arrows as well nice and make contact with the local production manager walk through the day real quick we've advanced it beforehand so we you know we know exactly how what everything needs to happen and what time uh, but it's always good to see if there's any particulars if it, anything's changed or anything and um, yeah post exactly post day sheets post all the signing, the signposts, so everyone, as they wake up, know where everything is. Check that there's towels for the showers. Check that there's the catering is up and running. Um, allocate the dressing rooms because there's usually multiple dressing rooms. So it's up to me to decide like this one's going to be the band room, this one's going to be the crew room, this is going to be the support, this is going to be my production office. And the bigger the tour, the more different rooms you have. Maybe you'll have like a massage room or maybe you'll have an after party room or maybe you'll have a separate star dressing room and then the the band maybe uh, like a b party they'll have their own room uh yeah so you allocate the dressing rooms then i'll usually take a shower and get myself ready so up until this time i'm still in my pajamas uh and some <laughs> jeans um yeah so get ready start building up my production office set up my computer connect my printer and stuff and around this time the production manager and the and the crew will be starting to load in i'll usually check in with them of course i've been in touch with the production manager we start up the day and as the the, the artists are waking up they'll usually find me ask some questions probably ask again what the wi-fi password is when <laughs> catering is and then yeah, we start our day. The, the crew will start building the stage. I'll send out the runner. But maybe it's maybe we have laundry to go out. Maybe we have some items that we need to 
that need to be sourced for the show or maybe some artist might need something some items maybe we yeah like you say maybe we have promo maybe we have to go off-site for the promo maybe we have journalists coming in maybe someone needs to find a physiotherapist or a hairdresser or yeah, it could be anything really mm-hmm. um and then typically around four o'clock the stage is ready for sound check so i'll let everyone know about 15 minutes beforehand it's almost time for sound check and then welcome to the stage when it is i like to have a moment right before sound check where all the band and crew come together and have a little we just talk through the rest of the day all together and maybe the stage manager will show everyone like oh we're gonna come on the stage at stage left today but watch your head because this is overhead overhanging thing or maybe they'll say like yeah any specifics about the show Hmm. and um yeah do the sound check i go to my office i spend my free hours when i'm not dealing with anyone at my computer i'm advancing future shows i'm keeping up with the tour counting and uh yeah after sound check we usually have dinner around then it's time for doors i submit the guest list Mm. and then yeah just the evening <laughs> rolls on then we've got support then we've got the show and then as the show comes down i'll settle the show do the financial settlement with the promoter and pack it all up and roll on to the next town yeah do it all again traveling circus style yep <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love talking to tour managers because you guys do so many things. You wear so many hats. You're an accountant. You do accounting. You do uh, like all this stuff, handle the guest list, handle like every, every aspect of, of the tour. And I think you guys don't get enough credit for what you do. I think that you guys have one of the hardest jobs. You're, you're uh, the equivalent of an adult babysitter, but you do so many things, you know, and I think it's absolutely amazing what you guys do. And uh, as a woman, in this industry have you ever faced any any backlash or have you ever dealt with any issues as far as you know being a a female in in the music industry goes especially like as a tour manager well sometimes you deal with people who have a hard time taking orders from women or taking instructions or have a hard time with the woman in charge i tend to not surround myself with those people if i can help it so since I'm usually in charge of hiring the rest of the crew, those are not the kind of people that I do deal with. But yeah, of course, I've, I have dealt with that. I A lot of the time, the bus and truck drivers are not people I chose. <laughs> and those might be the people that are not used to having a woman in the position of a tour manager. And that mm-hmm. first tour that I mentioned before, you know, that those older backline texts definitely were like... But I don't know if that was because of what I was a woman or it was just my first tour and I was 20, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's good to allow people to learn and be in that position. And they, they did teach me a lot of stuff. Sometimes they were nice about it. Sometimes they weren't so nice about it. I know that I've missed out on plenty of tour offers because I'm a woman. Um, mm. And it was, yeah, that's, you, you, it's not nice to hear that at that moment. But then again, I have been hired 
on tours because I'm a woman and yeah, I don't know. It's both created opportunities for me as well as been, been an issue, but yeah, no, that, I mean, definitely like, I think, you know, most women in this industry can relate to that. And I think that the, the farther we go, with touring and the more women that are getting involved with this, I think the, the more inclusive it's going to be for, for women to be on tours as, as tour managers, as backline techs, as front of house, you know, there's so many positions on tour. And I think that if you know what you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're a guy, a girl trans, you know, it doesn't matter what your, your gender is or anything like that. As long as you know what you're doing and you're willing to learn from your mistakes and willing to grow, I think that's what matters. And I feel like a lot of people still don't understand that for some reason, but I think it is getting better. Have you seen an improvement over the years? You've been doing this for what, 18 years now. So have you seen an improvement as far as that goes uh, during that time? Absolutely. Uh, maybe it's my context as well, because in the last few years, I've worked with really progressive artists who insist on having at least 50% women on their tours, or maybe if they haven't insisted on it, they naturally had a, a really mixed gender tour. Yeah. Uh, and, but this year, you know, this last year on the pandemic, I've been really active online on encouraging and inspiring young women and surrounding myself with all these incredibly talented women as well so from from my perspective it seems like definitely the future is female on tour you know yeah. <laughs> I, I i i still find it so strange when i talk to someone and like oh my god you're the first female tour manager i've ever met and i'm like i know so many amazing tour managers and that you know at, at a high level too so there's definitely a lot of us and uh but i what i do want to stress is that it was not easy to get started it's not like oh I went on that first tour and then it was smooth sailing from there it took me about three more years to be able to quit my my side job and I could live off touring and there was it was like periods of four to six months where I had no tours lined up and I had no you know I it's like did I make a mistake choosing this career how am I ever going to get my next tour? It was very, very hard to get my foot in the door. Dang. So, yeah. and and that, and you know, it's oftentimes me it, that that's what might discourage people from sticking mm. sticking with it and keeping going. Or maybe it's 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 easy at that point to call it quits and be like, "This is too hard. It's never going to happen. I'll just do something else." Right. Definitely. And, you know, what would you say to the women out there that are struggling to find these positions on tour? Like if you have a few words of encouragement for them. I would say there's never been a time like this to network and just make the most of it. And don't be afraid to make to make contact with people that that you respect. You know, we're all we're all very nice. And the worst thing that can happen is that someone doesn't email you back. Mm. But as long as you are networking with the right people and with that i mean the people that can actually help you you know don't shoot super high <laughs> um and network across as well just network with your peers with people that are in the same boat as you and people that are slightly above you and when you reach out to them be respectful and to the point and introduce yourself and tell them <laughs> what you want then uh, you know 
and and keep going. It's not going to happen out of two or three connections. Just yeah, keep up the hustle is what I would want to say. Yeah. No, for sure. I love that. You know, I think that that's super important. And I think, you know, people that are listening to this will definitely appreciate that a lot. Um, And then can you tell me, like, what what were some of your favorite tours that you went on? Oh, I have a lot of favorite tours, but yeah, it's been incredible working with M83 because I've been with them for such a long time. And when we started it was it was a band myself and a front of house engineer in a van and it was very small and it just being with the band over the years and seeing them grow has been amazing and so they're really like family to me um but working with with car and dryer on the knife and on fever ray has been also it's really incredible because she's so generous and so kind and very political in how she wants to run the tour and how she wants me to run the tour. You know, she wants it. She's adamant about having everyone being equal. And it's from working with her that I started doing those weekly or those daily meetings on stage before soundcheck, just for mm-hmm. everyone to have input in the goings on of the tour. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. She's all about creating equal opportunity and, uh, I learned a lot from her. So, yeah, and she, yeah, just, just such an inspiring woman. Mm, for sure, for sure. And, uh, like, I love, like I said earlier, like, I love talking to tour managers. I love that you guys pick up these little things along the way. And I love the, the before show meetings. Like, that's, like, my favorite time because, like, everybody comes together no matter what kind of mood you're in. Like, that brings everybody in the crew together. And mm-hmm. I think it's so vital and so important to do that for your crew. I think it's vastly important and highly overlooked, you know. I feel like people just kind of go about their day. But um, I think that that moment is very, very important. It, it kind of, like, peps people up and amps them up for the show that night. And so... I think it's cool that you do that. And I think more, more tour managers should, should put that as a part of their daily routine to, to do that for sure. I think it's really important to have that one moment in the day where you're all sitting together because yeah, like you said, everyone's on different schedules and they might never, like some people might not never have a moment to interact with others on the tour if you don't mm-hmm. put them together at that time. So yeah, I do think that's an important and you know sometimes it does no time if you're in a if you're if you're running behind schedule or you know sometimes it doesn't happen but I do try to at least do it for a few minutes every day yeah definitely and then uh my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started um hmm. well (laughs) well we were talking about this early this week I wish I had had more transparency on what the correct pay rate is on each step of your career. I think that's completely untransparent or what I don't know what the right word is. And I wish I'd had a little bit better idea. Not that I think I really ever undercharged by a lot, but yeah, you just <laughs> it would be good to have some kind of idea. And also, I wish I had a better sense of how much of my personal life I would have to sacrifice for this career. Hmm. 
yeah. yeah, I missed a lot of birthdays, weddings, births, <laughs> funerals. Uh, I did not really have a romantic relationship for the first 14 years of my career. I do now, but I don't feel like I can be touring as much as I used to when I was single. You know, yeah. I was touring nine, 10 months out of the year. I don't think that's fair to a partner. I know some mm -hmm. people do it and, you know, everyone's relationships are different, but that's not how I want to be a partner to mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. And, you know, I, I've kind of been in the same boat, you know, touring and traveling for work and things like that. And now I, I kind of want to, I don't want to necessarily slow down. I just kind of want to shift, you know, and, and find a, a balance now instead of just go, go, go all the time. And I yeah. think that a lot of people are starting to realize that now. Um, so I know I said that was my last question, but for you, for you, like during COVID and after COVID, like, what are your plans? Are you, are you going to tour uh, full time? Like, what are you going to do with your schedule whenever touring does come back? I, I do want to go back to touring. I definitely do. And having been away from it for so long has made me realize that I miss it so much when I'm not doing it. And, but, you know, I think that do, being away from for a total of about three or four months per year is is enough for me hmm. much as much as my heart starts beating faster when I get offered a massive album run uh, I'm I yeah no like you say it's I have to prioritize my work life balance and that's hard with the tour because it's you can't when you get offered a tour you either do the whole tour or you don't do it. You can't do a little bit of the tour. Right. And so, Definitely. yeah, so that's going to be hard. And I say that now, but I, <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I get offered an incredible tour <laughs> and maybe I will say, you know, six months is doable or maybe seven months is doable. I don't know. And I'll have to speak yeah. to my partner and it really depends on how, you know, how it's split up over the time if there's a lot of breaks or what what territories they are i don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. if you know maybe if they go into some really interesting places that i've never been because for the most part of my career i've done just the same circles of western europe and the coasts of north america <laughs> and, right uh, yeah so i'd be quite interested to do some different territories i mean i've been to all the continents and stuff but I haven't toured extensively in Africa or you were even mentioning United um, Arab Emirates. I've never yeah. been there. I didn't know there were bands there. I mean, it makes sense <laughs> that there are, but yeah, you would never see bands from there on a festival lineup here. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of places that, that are out there that have been everywhere has music, you know, which is the cool thing about what we do is that you can find music anywhere. And I, I do hope you get to go to some of those places that you've wanted to go to over this next year or two years or however many years you decide to continue doing uh, tour management for, um, I, I hope you get to all those places you want to go. And if any band out there wants to pick you up as a tour manager or if any tour managers have any questions for you or any up and coming, you know, uh, crew members have any questions for you, where can they find you online? Drop your social media. How can they get a hold of you? I prefer to keep my Facebook for my personal friends, but I am totally open to be reached out on Instagram at Lotcha TM and on LinkedIn. 
drop me a message when you send a connection request. I'm more than happy to speak to anyone that has any additional questions or, yeah. And I do a weekly clubhouse on Thursday evenings at 8.30 Central European time, which is 2.30 p.m. Eastern time and 11.30 a.m. Pacific time called Step Into My Production Office. It's myself and three other female tour managers, and we talk about different aspects of life on tour uh, every week. That's awesome. Which is really fun. I love Clubhouse. Clubhouse is so good. Me too. I love it. And we do a Zoom listening party for anyone that doesn't have Clubhouse yet, so you can jump on the Zoom and listen along. (laughs) So we don't want to be exclusive to people that don't have a Clubhouse yet. Gotcha. Very cool. Thank you so much for coming on Project Freelance and sharing your your insights and your stories with everybody here. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you. All right, guys. Sorry that I missed last week's episode. Uh, I was moving and then I went to Mexico for a gig. And so it's just been kind of crazy and I didn't backlog my episodes. My fault. But Thank you for listening to this episode with Lacha, the tour manager. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and feedback for me on the show. It helps us grow on the iTunes charts and it helps us find a broader audience. So thank you for doing that. If you guys are interested in coming on the show, please hit me up at Project Freelance on Instagram and we will set up a time for you to come on the show. I appreciate it, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Stay strong. Keep enduring. Go out and go create something.